0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Navigating Change, the education podcast from Tybal, Inc. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Howard Tybal. And in just a bit, we're going to pick up a conversation we started last week with Gerald Hector, Gerald's VP for Finance and Administration at Ithaca College. And we, we started this conversation with the intent to talk with Gerald about the role of technology in institutions. But about halfway through, Gerald pivoted on us, and we started talking all about metaphor and the power of storytelling in getting your initiatives moving, and his dollar and sense meetings that have become so central in his mission at Ithaca. So we decided we're going to split it up. That's what we did. We split up the episode and this week you get part two of that conversation. So head over to Teibelink.com to learn more about our work in education and subscribe to the show for free by joining our mailing list and we'll keep you updated as we post new shows. For now, let's pick it up in progress. Here's me and Howard Tybel and the great Gerald Hector. The other thing I loved about how you told
1: uh, sort of the overarching story here is weaving in this idea of the importance of storytelling and that storytelling fundamentally is a way of shepherding people through this is why we need to do it and engaging people in a conversation by making it real through storytelling. So, so say a little bit more about that. From a CBO perspective, uh, what does it mean to you to weave storytelling into engaging folks in making decisions and, and bringing new ideas to the table?
2: It's very important. Uh, you know, being an accountant... People say we are boring. <laughs> so you have to find ways to let people not fall asleep. And what I, what has worked for me well over the course of my career, not only in IT but elsewhere, is by using metaphors. Yes. Metaphors are the most powerful way to juxtapose two opposing points of view. And what I try to do through those metaphors, for example, is to reframe the discussion. So in reframing the discussion, rather than the questions coming at me, And without any filters or without any feasibility studies, without any background data, I will then ask the question, how does this meet the mission? How does this address an an emerging need? And what I usually do is I find a metaphor or story of some sort as a testimonial as to why something didn't work or why something worked. So once you have those two bookends, the discussion and the debate, now takes place inside those two bookends rather than going out to these extremities that are just not going to happen, so I've used that fairly well in trying to get people to engage in discussion and dialogue. But as you know, sometimes on a college campus, not everyone wants to do that publicly. So you find yourself in smaller group meetings and things like that, but I do any setting that I get to go to in order to um, get what are what we call vision carriers. To have those discussions dispassionately, to have them to be the ones to help us carry the message, especially in an environment of change. Because once you're in an environment of change and you're a CBO, oh, here comes the money guy again. He's going to cut this or cut that. Once you can put it in a different framework and attach to it a metaphor of some sort or some sort of story or testimonial, I find that people gravitate towards it more. And they also
1: let their guard down a little bit, right?
2: Absolutely, it's they, a
1: way to it's a way for them for for that for them not to look at you like you said as the guy who's going to keep them from doing the things they want to do, but to see that you're actually here to support them, because you're leading with a style and a communication uh, method that gets people to see this is a human being, and I and I think right. that. That, that is everything in this. You know, I had an interesting story I'll just share with the two of you. When I came back today from Austin, Texas. I was at a school. I did a series of change workshops and one of the participants said to me, and this ties right to storytelling, he said, and this is in student affairs, he said, you know, we, we have an initiative and we brought it to the cabinet and my problem is that they walked away and the cabinet did not, buy into it. As a matter of fact, it feels like the cabinet's an impediment. And they were sort of putting the blame on the cabinet. And what I said to him, and I think this is such an, and he got it and he really appreciated it. I said, you know what? It may be the case that the that there's you can interpret it that the senior team doesn't get it. But part of this is what you didn't do is you didn't paint a compelling enough case. That's correct. Right? Yep. And think of, yep. you know, so for him, his first reaction is, "Hey, we did our pitch, we did our PowerPoint, we talked about it, they didn't buy it. We walked away thinking, all right, they're not supporting us." What I said back to him and I think this is true for all of us, if people don't get what you're trying to do, it's either they're, they they're clear that they don't want to do it or you got to retool and go back and say what is the message I need to deliver? And I said to him, go back and ask the senior team, what is it that you didn't hear from me? What do you want to know that would help you be supportive in this? And typically, we don't do that. That's typically, right. we walk away and we say, like, all right, I'm going to give up now. And yep. they don't realize that people like yourself and the president are very open yep. to ideas. But if you don't paint a good case, I'm not going with you. Yep, yep. And one of the things that that kind of
2: throws people off, I think, is that once they bring it forward or it doesn't get a lot of heat around it, they just kind of like, oh, well, they're not listening to me, and they go elsewhere. And one of the things that I have been imploring, I guess, uh, members of my division— Um, the entire division, not just one particular department, but it's getting them to say, I need to hear your voices. The majority of my time is spent on strategy, looking forward. So obviously we have AVPs and all these um, other folks that are working alongside me. But if your ideas are not bubbling up as how silly as they are, that you might think they are, obviously I I would have to make changes here. We're just a simple passing conversation in the hallway where someone said, well, did you know about so-and-so? And And I'm like, I had no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) And as soon as I go and take a look, I'm like, wow, we got to dig deeper into this. So I use stuff like that as a metaphor, as metaphors to say, look, every voice counts so i think one of the things that i said in the article and i really do live by it is that even though people look at a cbo and yeah you're a vice president you're part of the cabinet the c-suite and so on and so forth i still try to tell them that i have to learn every day and in learning every day it allows me to remain humble and what i say teachable and i think sometimes just a mere mention that it's a vice president or a chief something the the distance grows <laughs> Whereas as, as a sitting CBO, I'd like the distance to close so I can get a better sense of what it is that you're trying to achieve. But that, once again, boils down to why I'm a big fan of building and maintaining relationships um, and, and, have, and have dialogue do- dovetail from that that will eventually benefit the entire institution.
1: So another thing that you're doing, uh, which I think is really interesting, I want to hear some of the details around, is this idea that you have these dollars and cents meetings. You even said that you had one today. So first of all, how would you conceive of that? What was the impetus for that? It's it's a great metaphor for something. And tell our listeners, uh, in what way is that benefiting, benefiting moving the dialogue around money and strategy and priorities forward?
2: Excellent. I think this would be a good metaphor in and of itself. Um, when, I, when I came here, I was obviously going through but the budgeting reports to me as well. And last year, after spending a year with the budget and doing my listening tours and trying to figure everything out, I realized that we might have to make a change in our budget methodology. So we went with, we adopted the zero-based budgeting. And as we were going through, obviously, that's going to take you about four to five years to mature on your campus. Obviously, it's a big job to sell that to the campus. But as we were putting that budget together for the first time for the current fiscal year that we're currently in, it dawned on me as the questions that I was asking as a CBO and the budget director was asking, folks never really thought about it in that context. So Mm -hmm. I realized that we have to come up with some way to educate the campus. In a very transparent, open, um, non threatening way. So, dollars and cents was born. I basically borrowed it from my former institution. We used to put out this publication in Student Affairs called Dollars and Cents. uh, Dollars is spelt dollars, and cents is S E nse with the first s being a dollar sign what we have done now we started this in january of 2015 so we just passed our one-year anniversary and believe it or not guys today the topic was our technology renewal program <laughs> and how it what it costs us every year who,
1: who comes to this meeting is it an open meeting it's who,
2: an open meeting faculty so any, staff, anybody anyone, can come to anyone it. can come to so, it. so who
1: showed up today
2: a broad not 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 as many faculty today, but a lot of people who will be impacted by any changes that we make with technology renewal. And we're not planning any, but I'm pretty sure someone's going to leave and say, well, yeah, they're going to change it. (laughs) That's the type of stuff that dollars and cents allows us to deal with. And how often do you have this meeting? Once Once a a month. Once a month? Okay. It's like the CBO going into the (laughs) the Coliseum, right? (laughs) He stands there and gives the presentation and there are microphones in the room and I just stand flat-footed and answer whatever questions within confidentiality realms. And we just go from there. And it's all about educating the campus because not everyone is an accountant. Yeah. And in today's, today's higher ed environment, when you start talking about things like net tuition revenue and tuition discounting, people's eyes just start glazing over.
1: Glaze over, but yeah. But
2: you know, those are some of the very, very important things that have to be addressed in higher education today. So I walked the campus through all of those things. Um, When we did our five-year strategic plan for ITS, it was the first time we are doing it. They took an entire session to do that. We had another session where we rolled out our 10-year master plan, gave them a session on that. But at the end of each session, what I do is I stand there and talk about the financial performance of the, the college through that month. So they're not reading a piece of paper. They actually can question the CFO on our performance. So we do that every month. When we started out, it had six or seven people. And when we had a big meeting, when we had the budget debriefing that was passed by the board, we were close to
1: 150 people. So Gee, that's awesome. It's, um, it's catching on. Have you, ever, have you ever seen the movie Multiplicity? No, I've not. <laughs> you got to check this out because you know where I'm going, Pete, right? Oh, yeah. We, you know, Multiplicity is about uh, this character that could not get anything done in his life. He needed to. So he created a clone of himself mm-hmm. and he ended up with six clones. And it's a very funny story. But, you know, when I think about how much you're taking on uh, and I listen to how you talk about this, uh, how much are you bringing – uh, trying to get others, and it's, it's not just delegating, but not, being an example, and then getting others to to take the lead on things. Because I am sure with the, both the way you communicate your style, people are very comfortable having you out front. But one of your dilemmas is you got to be able to step back. And allow other people to step forward. Otherwise, there's no way you're gonna be able to get all this stuff done. Well, I'm glad it's you It's gotta said be that. a dilemma. Isn't that a dilemma? It's
2: it's um it's a dilemma, but it's a dilemma that I solve by how I try to manage. I, I use with my group, I say to them, My biggest job is to try to work myself out of a job and they don't get it. They're like, what are you talking about? I said, at the end of the day, as I am learning more and more, it has to be passed down in order for you to be able to come and step up. But one of the things that I also know very, very clearly is when people don't know stuff, they make stuff up. And in that type of environment, as a leader, you have to model what you are eventually wanting people to see. Yeah. So this year in my division, we have kind of adopted an, a menomic device. Uh, we call it OAT, O-A-T-E. And O is for ownership, the A is for accountability, the T is for transparency, and the E is for empowerment. Really simple menomic device that you can simply pick up. You say, well, what is OAT? There, there you go. So why did I come up with that? It was an idea that was, I jokingly talked about, but as I looked at how I'm shaping the division that I inherited, I've only been here three years, so I'm still working on that. But what I would like for folks to do is to see how, as a leader, I approached it, and eventually they will be the ones to be doing many of the things that I am doing. So I have a, I have a management style that basically says you're hired in a position because you're qualified to do the work. So what I need for you to do now is to partner with not only myself, but the entire campus to get the work done. And thus far, uh, that shift is taking place in my division, and people are gravitating towards it. So eventually, nice. Howard, I will see myself, as you know, as a CBO, our, if we look at our job, jobs over the span of a year, 85% of it is all about strategy. 80 yeah. to 85% of it. So all these little things that I'm doing um, is really to get the foundation on which I
1: plan to stand to be solid so it doesn't move. Well, you know, just like you stole dollars and cents from your other institution, I'm taking notes. <laughs> okay, gonna, all right. <laughs> I'm not taking – I'm going to use it, though, and attribute it to – I love the simplicity of that. Although I forgot – I got a, a, um, uh, ownership, accountability, transparency. What was the E? Empowerment. 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 See, I was, you know, in my head I was thinking, I was thinking empathy. But that's, <laughs> <yeah. Empowerment's laughs> and, right. It's funny. I, actually, I can't give
2: you, you, once again, here's a metaphor. Um, when I went to my di- divisional meeting and I shared it, I only had OAT, O-A-T. And in my divisional meeting, I was reminding everyone, look, guys, I want to hear from you. You guys have excellent ideas and so on and so forth. I go back to my office. One of my, my colleagues emailed me and said, you know what? OAT is great. But it's missing a letter. I said, What letter is that? The letter E for empowerment. I said, Explain. Simply put, if there is not a sense that you can give someone ownership and you can give someone, you know, someone can be transparent and accountable for what they do, but if they don't feel like they have a stake in the game into what's going forward, then, you know, you can dampen someone's spirit or you could just basically discourage someone in a heartbeat. Yeah. So one of the things I try to encourage folks is that, you know, you're on the front line and you're going you're gonna to take risks and whatever, but they have to be calculated risks. And if those risks are dovetailing towards something that's going to benefit the institution, then we'll pull alongside you. But what happens in our organizations is people just, I'm not in the C-suite, I'm not a manager, I'm not a director, so I'm just... Yeah. The low person on the total uh, – on the, on the poll, and I'm like, well, no, I'm trying to flip that. That's
1: right. In, it, so, so I think the E for empowerment is important because you could actually say ownership is part of taking responsibility. But ownership is often sort of a way of thinking. Empowerment is a way of acting. That is right? correct. That so is correct. that's why I think that it's pointing to the behavior yep. of implementing that. So here, so here's the last thing I want to raise with you, and that is this question – as people are listening to this, and whether they're a CBO, whether they're uh, uh, whether they're aspire to move up to be in the C-suite or on the academic side, I think it's very clear the way you approach uh, leadership and direction is by making sure you step back. You, you give enough time for reflection and engaging others. And if someone's listening to this and going, all right, how do I get started? So if I had to start somewhere, and I'll tell you what I was thinking as I read your article, uh, I was thinking a simple way to start if you wanted to build a CBO-CIO partnership is you have, you have your CBO and CIO read this article and then talk about it, right? Because then you could have your own anecdotes and directions to go. But if you were suggesting a step to take if you want to get better and embrace some of the ideas you've talked about, what would you suggest would be a good first step? If I'm the CBO currently and I want to start, the first thing I'd say is get educated.
2: <laughs> get educated on the issues that, are face, that IT is facing in the current environment.
1: I have no time. How can I get educated? I have no time.
2: Well, I think if, so you're gonna scary. Say, <laughs> if you're going to say in this day and age that you have no time for IT, you're going to have some challenges down the road. There you go. There's a, it's there's a choice. Old, there's an old saying that I use with my team here sometimes. I say what we need to avoid is the unqualified leading the unwilling into the unnecessary for no apparent reason. <laughs> so – if you are a CBO, you should never find yourself in a position where you're a jack of all trades and a master of none. Yeah. In today's environment, being a CBO, whether or not the CIO reports to you or not, information technology is going to be a large part of your spend on a prospective basis. I don't care if it's going to be in online. I don't care if it's going to be in academic computing. Or I don't care if it's going to be over here in... um. Just standard operational administrative services, because you know you have systems that we built over years that now vendors are not supporting anymore, and just say, "Hey, I'm going to the cloud. Do you want to go to the cloud? <laughs> <Right>?
1: <laughs> Do you want to get into I'll the send cloud? you to the cloud. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: So that's what I mean by get educated. Being educated on these issues are going to yeah, be part the- and parcel of being a CBO. Because it's going to drive so much of the dollars you're going to spend. If I'm a CIO and I'm going to start from the nascent stages, it's just if I report to the CBO or not, it's to simply detailed a plan that will say, hey, look, this is where the college or the university is right now, and we need to get to this point. And then start the conversation, not gimme, 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 or I want the, the nice shiny thing that's out here. Let's talk about where we are and how we can get first on the same page. And I say that loosely because I hear people use that expression quite a bit. Let's get on the same page. But we never took the time to figure out what that page is.
1: (laughs) <laughs>
0: so, oh <my> God. <laughs> so, well, that's what's so good about this whole thing is that it, it seems like every every step you take, and and whether I mean if it's from a CIO perspective, sure follow follow the money. I mean, you want to get to know right. the CBO because you want to know where the money is. But from the that's CBO right. perspective, what I love so much about it is everything you're doing here mitigates cultural conflict that could come up as a result. I mean, you and you t- and and I just uh, you know I think about it as a perspective of the faculty and students. Uh, you know, having coverage around campus is one thing, but be, actually being able to get some bandwidth is something completely different that's right. cultural conflict right. and it keeps me from saying that oh the cbo is an idiot they won't they won't spend uh, so i love it, <laughs> but I love I've, heard, it. I've heard i've <laughs> heard that quite often yeah
2: yeah <laughs> uh, some, some more colorful <laughs> probably but in in under the breath and stuff but you know i think one of the things today for cbo's in general and i would dare say cios or guess what guys see anything if you have chief in front of your title What we used to do in the past has morphed at such a rapid pace that we can no longer not be engaged in a plethora of issues. So just because I sit as in the administrative side, one of the things that I'm doing, I had a dean tell me the other day that I'm probably one of the most accessible CBOs they've seen because I've been to classes. I go and I make presentations to classes and I talk with the students and so on it's a two way street now and you know you got to be seen as a leader you might not be the president or the provost or what people will consider the major leaders on a college campus but you're gonna to have to lead from where you are and you know I tell some of my folks here as well I said look this is a team effort and I want, another metaphor that I'll use is if you see a turtle on a post you best believe he didn't get there by himself. He had some help. <laughs> That's pretty good. And as you laid it across the entire campus, if everyone can understand that this is a collective move and the role of the chief, anyone, is to try to find a way to excite the campus for them yeah. to want to go along for the ride. That's you know, it's, uh, le-
1: the last thing I'll say, Pete, listening yeah. to you just describe how you're out there, is it also occurs to me that you must have uh, support from your president to be this way, because not everybody does. Not everybody, you know, some presidents are saying, I'm not sure I need you out there. I don't know what you're going to be communicating. I don't want us to over communicate. And it takes a lot of trust from a president to be able to allow that. But I'd also say that you also come from the place, I'm guessing, that you're willing at times to ask for forgiveness versus for permission. And that's another skill set I think we need to develop as leaders is not wait to be told it's okay to be out there, that we, that yeah. we give ourselves permission. And my guess is that's just who you are. Well, at, at, at my
2: core as a people person, yes. But one of the things I will say to you, just like I started out, it's all about relationship. That's right. Um, first of all, we all serve at the pleasure of a president. <laughs> So that's the number one relationship you're going to nurture to understand, focus, direction, vision, and execution. That's right off the bat. That's a given as a as a vice president in a higher education structure. So, what you say the free the freedom to do some of the things that I'm doing? Everything that I'm doing, basically a discussion is held with the president first. There you and go. And just and just like. How folks would bring... So, so, so
1: your president has no surprises, right? Mm-hmm. No surprises. At, no exactly.
2: surprises. My president and I meet uh, every two weeks and as necessary. And what we do is we go through a list. I have a list that's prepared. I send that ahead of time. We go in. We go down the list. He has things he wants me to focus on, directions. And we we basically work that way. It's... A, it's I mentioned in the article that the CIO and the CBO has to have a symbiotic relationship. I dare say, given the structure in organizations today, you know the, the whole issue around the Teal book that I mentioned about the, the frames in an organization. You have to touch all four of those frames in order to operate effectively inside a higher education institution today, and I dare say any organization. One of the biggest things, Howard and Pete, I think, as CBOs that people don't talk about a lot is that we're going to also have to start learning the proclivities of different generations that are coming, and we don't do a good job of that as well. So at the end of the day, once you're having those conversations with your president, very, very open, transparent, making sure your president is understanding, then you'll be good. I happen to work for a president right now who is very, 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 very intellectual and wants to see the institution operate inside what I call the new normal. So outside this article, I don't know if you're familiar, but I wrote this white paper about two summers ago And I was talking primarily about finances, and nothing happened with the the white paper for about a year. And all of a sudden, this year has been picked up again because what was said two years ago has not changed. And it's going to take courage, uh, leaders who are willing to step outside themselves – and look at themselves in terms of where we are today in higher education and that is not an easy thing to do so some of us are fortunate in terms of the presidents that we get an opportunity to work for and i'm just thankful that i have a president here who is sees what needs to be done has the data and is allowing me to go and work to get those things addressed and that is a is a blessing in many ways
0: amen can we get an amen Amen. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on behalf of Gerald Hector at Ithaca College and Howard Tybal. I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch you next week right here on Navigating Change, the education podcast from Tybal Inc.